Welcome to episode 8 of Idiom America, where I like to use those peculiar turns of phrase as portals uh, to peer into a different time or place, learning something new about the language I speak or about some topic I hadn't thought much of before or just the world at large. Uh, This is part 3 of cat idioms, uh, using cats as one such portal. And raining cats and dogs is one of the wilder and funnier images that comes from the cat idioms and maybe idioms in general. And this one seems to be a big hit with kids uh, as it pops up in a lot of children's books. Uh, for example, if you prank the tooth fairy by spraying her with the sink faucet, she's going to make it rain cats and dogs um, as cute little kittens and puppies literally fall from the sky in the picture. And raining cats and dogs is another one that's been around a long time, uh, at least since 1650 or so, and and so its origins are a little bit hazy. Uh, The internet offers a few theories. First, uh, the most common one says that in olden times, homes had thatched roofs, uh, which domestic animals such as cats and dogs would like to hide. And in heavy rain, the animals would either be washed out of the thatch or they'd abandon it for better shelter. So it would seem to be raining cats and dogs. And there are people who feel pretty strongly that this one can't be right, however, citing the lack of evidence. But none of the other ones have much evidence either, so I'm not sure why these people on the Internet are so adamant that this one can't be right. Uh, But the second theory says that the phrase could have come from the fact that drainage systems in 17th century Europe were poor, And so during a heavy rain, they may have spit up their content, including uh, the corpses of any animals that had accumulated in them. And this occurrence uh, is documented in Jonathan Swift's 1710 poem, Description of a City Shower, in which he describes drowned puppies, stinking sprats, all drenched in mud, dead cats and turnip tops come tumbling down the flood. Uh, and if you're like me and didn't know, a, a sprat is a small member of the herring family. Uh, a second or a, a third explanation here uh, for this idiom is that it comes from Norse mythology, uh, as Odin, uh, the Norse god of storms, was often pictured with dogs and wolves, which were symbols of wind. And then you have witches who supposedly rode their brooms during storms. Uh, that were often pictured with black cats, uh, which became signs of heavy rain for sailors. And therefore, raining cats and dogs may refer to a storm with wind, the dogs, and, and heavy rain, the cats. And uh, yet another theory, it looks to a similar-sounding uh, French word for waterfall, catadupa, or to the Greek expression katadoxa, which means contrary to experience or belief, and then it hypothesizes that cats and dogs are corruptions of these phrases. Uh, but there's really no evidence to support these theories, and I really can't see uh, 17th century English speakers, common people, being keen to adopt and then corrupt these expressions. So I'm not sure why these two theories are so prevalent on the Internet. Uh, and I've got my own theory, and that's that the idiom might have aris- arisen from uh, one of those storms that were strong enough to literally rain cats and dogs, and it could happen. Uh, there's a movie I really like called Magnolia uh, by Paul Thomas Anderson, and I don't think I'm giving too much away if you haven't seen it by saying that it has a truly bizarre scene in which giant frozen fo- frogs uh, fall from the sky. And it turns out that this really happens. Uh, the rain of uh, flightless animals from the sky is an actual meteorological phenomenon uh, that happens every once in a while. 
Uh, for example, on June 7, 2005, uh, thousands of frogs rained on Ojatsi, a small town in northwestern Serbia. Uh, in February 2010, it rained thousands of spangled perch on the residents of Larjamanu, a small Australian town. And this type of thing is well documented throughout history with frogs and toads and fish and octopuses and jellyfish uh, being among the more common animals. And a current scientific hypothesis for this phenomenon involves uh, tornado water spouts, a tornado that forms over the water. And under this hypothesis, this uh, water spout sucks the animals up, transports them to relatively high altitudes, and then carries them over long distances before raining them back down. Uh, but this doesn't really account for the rains of non-aquatic uh, terrestrial animals, and so it seems a little incomplete because the rains of those animals do happen. Uh, for example, Noah's uh, the, uh, photo library, it has an illustration from 1680 by Erasmus Franciski of a particularly violent storm in which rats were raining down. And so if rats can rain down, why not small cats and dogs in an even more violent storm? And thinking of cats raining down on your roof makes me think of another idiom, a cat on a hot tin roof, which refers to somebody who is anxious or skittish and unable to sit still or relax. Uh, and another great image. Uh, and I'd heard this one mainly because of the famous Tennessee Williams play of the same name. But it turns out that this phrase, like so many of the cat ones, has been around a really long time. Uh, again, at least 500 years or so, uh, although in its early uses, uh, tin roof was replaced by hot bricks or a hot baked stone and a baked stone as the word implies uh, denotes a flat stone or slate on which cakes were baked in the oven in England uh, back in the day and that makes sense as tin roofs probably never got hot enough there in England to to make for a great idiom or a great image but it's a different story in the uh, southern United States where the current form of the idiom took root and there are a few idioms related to a cat walking around gingerly. Uh, first, there's the word catfoot itself. And you don't hear that one much, uh, but saying that somebody came catfooting down the hall means that they're moving stealthily down the hall like a cat. Uh, same with the word pussyfooting. Uh, this one has kind of a double meaning, though, and it's probably used more often to describe when when somebody's equivocating or acting in a cautious or noncommittal way. And that's one I heard a fair bit growing up is as in stop pussyfooting around and uh, this one's American in origin and it started gaining in popularity around the turn of the 20th century and it was a favorite of uh, President Teddy Roosevelt who used it often uh, for example when he was running for a third term as president in 1916 uh, during the midst of World War One, he declared that there was no room in the United States for German Americans or Irish Americans or any other hyphenated citizens for that matter a room only those for those who were Americans and nothing else. In fact, he declared there could be no such person as a German-American, and he had the authority of the Kaiser himself for the statement, since the Kaiser had said that he knew what a German was and what an American was, but that he didn't know what a German-American was. Roosevelt then on, went on to say that, whatever else may be said of me, I am no pussyfooter. And Roosevelt was pretty good with either coming up with these kind of colorful, plain-spoken phrases or else popularizing them. Uh, and some of these that are attributable to him include weasel words uh, for soft and ambiguous language. Uh, in 1916, he said, One of our defects as a nation is a tendency to use what have been called weasel words. When a weasel sucks eggs, the meat is sucked out of the egg. If you use a weasel word after another, there is nothing left of the other. 
Uh, another one he came up with or his square deal uh, for a fair arrangement uh, in 1903. He said, the labor union shall have a square deal and the corporation shall have a square deal. And other ones include Molly Coddle uh, for weak and cowardly, strong as a bull moose, muckraker, and, and to throw one's hat in the ring. And finally, another one of those idioms like cat footing and pussy footing is the uh, phrase cat burglar, uh, which means a thief who enters a building by climbing to an upper story and going in through a window. Uh, although it's sometimes used in, in a broader sense to just refer to any burglar who's skilled at entering and leaving a building without attracting any notice. And this is one of those that has a pretty clear origin story. Uh, it comes from 1907 and it was used by newspapers to describe a burglar named Arthur Edward Young who burgled a series of homes in the London suburb of uh, Streatham by skillfully climbing into upper floor windows. And there are quite a few famous cat burglars, all with some interesting stories, but one that stands out to me uh, from a New Yorker video I saw is uh, Blaine Nordahl, known as the Silver Thief, because he'd only steal silver from homes. Uh, and he considered burglary to be a profession and an art, and he stole from celebrities such as Ivana Trump, Bruce Springsteen, Steven Spielberg, uh, and he's been captured a couple times and he's currently in prison. Uh, one way to stop the cat footing around or a cat burglar would be to literally bell the cat. Uh, and, and this idiom uh, comes from the old fable in which a group of mice are debating a plan to, to wipe out the threat of a marauding cat and one of them comes up with the great idea of placing a bell around its neck and everybody likes this idea until it comes to asking for a volunteer to actually carry it out and bell the cat. And so this story gives rise to the idiom, uh, bell the cat, which means to attempt or agree to attempt an impossibly difficult task. Anyway, back to that silver thief. Uh, with any luck, his, his notoriety um, won't inspire any copycats uh, like some no notorious criminals do. And this idiom, copycat, is another one that seems to be pretty popular with kids. Is uh, One way to get their goat is to mimic everything they say. Uh, at least it was when I was a kid, as it seems like we were always telling each other to quit being a copycat. Uh, and this one appears to arise in Maine in the 1890s. Uh, and interestingly, the first uses were in a couple of different novels by different Maine writers uh, in that time. And in the 1960s, the phrase came to be popularly applied to criminal activity. And there's a well-known 1961 article titled Case of the Copycat Criminal by David Dressler which explains that when crime comes in waves, simple imitation plays a large part in the phenomenon. And unfortunately, we've all witnessed this phenomenon and phrases like copycat murders have become uh, commonplace. And cats aren't really known for imitative behavior. Uh, so it seems like a better phrase than copycat might be copy lemming or copy parrot or copy monkey, as in monkey see, monkey do. but. But pairing the word cat with something else to make an insult has a long history. Uh, take Hellcat, for example. Uh, this one shows up in the early 1600s and means a spiteful, violent woman. And another one of those uh, is Scaredy Cat or Frady Cat, uh, which is, again, another one that's popular with kids. And it appears to date from the late 19th century, and it obviously refers to how easily frightened cats can uh, get sometimes. Uh, but I gotta say, these cat phrases, they're kind of all over the place. Uh, on the one hand, you can have a cool cat or a hep cat, and on the other hand, a hell cat. And a cat can be so bold its curiosity kills it, but yet it can be a scaredy cat on the other hand. Um, Frady cat, or scaredy cat, does make more sense to me, though, than, than chicken. 
uh, for coward because chickens have never struck me as particularly cowardly. But yep, that's probably the most common animal that's used to call someone a coward. Uh, and another idiom uh, besides scary cat that makes pretty good sense just by observing cat's behavior is catnap. As we've all probably been jealous uh, before of how much a cat seems to enjoy a midday nap in the sun before it wakes up and does that uh, delicious looking stretching. And I for one love a good short nap in the middle of the day and uh, firmly believe it boosts productivity overall. And there are some famous nappers that swear by it like Thomas Edison and Einstein but of course, in order to make it sound more acceptable and uh, workmanlike or professional nowadays, we call it a power nap instead of a cat nap, um, which is a phrase that's been around since the mid-1800s. And so all, although Wall Street types might cop to taking power naps, uh, they wouldn't to cat naps, but uh, they have no issues with using a, a different cat idiom, uh, and that's dead cat bounce. And this is a temporary, short-lived recovery of the stock price from a prolonged decline or bear market that's followed by the continuation of the downtrend. So it's basically a small rally followed by a further fall of the stock price. And the name dead cat bounce is based on the notion that even a dead cat will bounce if it falls far enough and fast enough. And it's an example of what's also known as a sucker's rally. And this dead cat bounce is a recent idiom. It originated in 1985 on Wall Street. And it was used originally to refer to uh, when the Singaporean and Malaysian stock markets bounced back after a hard fall during that year's recession. And speaking of Wall Street types, uh, the last idiom that this cat idiom series looks at is fat cat, uh, that classic political cartoon image of a jowly middle-aged man in a pinstripe suit smoking a cigar looking venal and well-fed. Uh, and this one was first used in the 1920s in the United States to describe rich political donors. And as described back then in the Baltimore Sun, a fat cat is a man of large means and slight political experience, who, having reached middle age and success in business, and finding no further thrill, sense, or satisfaction in the mere piling up of more millions, develops a yearning for some sort of public honor and is willing to pay for it. Nowadays, of course, fat cat is used to refer not only to rich political donors, but to any wealthy or influential person, especially one who's gotten there through questionable dealings. Uh, I don't want to leave the cat idioms there, though, and, and I can't say fat cat without thinking of that uh, great children's book, uh, The Fat Cat Sat on the Mat, uh, which seems to tie in some of these cat idiom elements I've been talking about. And uh, it starts out, Wilma the witch has a crazy broom. It likes to fly around her room. She also has a fat cat and a pet rat. Wilma loves her pet rat. She calls the rat, my little brat. The rat hates the cat. The cat does not care. The cat, who is fat, just lies in the vat and stares at the rat. The rat hates that. One night when Wilma was out, the fat cat got out of the vat. He went, pit a pat, and sat on the mat. This is my mat, said the rat. So what, said the cat. So get off, said the rat. No, I won't, said the cat. Uh, anyway, if you want to find out what happens in this book, go check it out at your local uh, library. <laughs> uh, now I feel like one of those kids uh, that reviewed a book on, on reading Rainbow. <laughs> kind of a lifelong dream. Uh, uh, so anyway, that's it for Cat Idioms in Episode 8 of Idiom America. Thanks for listening.